Hello, everyone. It's time to once again get happy with today's podcast. It's part two of our conversation with Megan Moody, who's interviewing me about the process I went through of dealing with the grief of losing my son. Now, I encourage any of you, if you are still struggling with any grief issue or any area in your life, you guys know I am a strong, strong advocate for therapy, and we are so happy to be able to have some place to refer you guys to what I'm talking about is BetterHelp. It's an affordable, secure, convenient, and professional counseling service. BetterHelp offers clients a monthly subscription for unlimited communication with your licensed professional counselor. BetterHelp allows you to connect with your counselor in a safe and private online or mobile environment. You can schedule a secure video or phone session, plus chat or text with your therapist whenever you feel it's necessary. The BetterHelp professional counselors specialize in many different areas of expertise, stress, anxiety, relationships, depressions, addictions, eating, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflicts, and yes, grief, and so much more. This is proactive mental health, not a crisis line. If you are in crisis, especially if you're feeling suicidal, please call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. That number is 1-800-273-8255. As a special just for Get Happy with Jay podcast listeners, if you log on to betterhelp.com backslash getHappyWithJay, guess what? You're going to get a free week of counseling. That's right. A free week for you to try out this wonderful program and get professional help from a counselor with BetterHelp. Sometimes we deal with heavy subject matter on this podcast and the last two sessions have been pretty heavy for us. We've been dealing once again with grief. So if that triggers you or makes you feel like, you know what, I never really dealt with my own grief in my life or my sense of loss or whatever I have going on, BetterHelp is a way for you to try it and in the most private and secure way possible. Once again, for your free week of therapy, visit betterhelp.com backslash get happy with Jay. Now on to today's show. It's part two of my conversation with Megan and I hope you truly enjoy. If you have not suffered this type of loss, then chances are you know someone who has and God forbid you may even yourself in the future. So hopefully you get some tips, some help, some encouragement if you have gone through it because the number one thing for me was to know that I was going to get through it and working with a therapist definitely was a big help that was part of it a big part was my faith but I also needed to get that extra help too so let's get into today's episode of part two Yeah, I was actually listening. I might have looked like I was in a funk, but I was listening. To be honest, when you first started coming in, yes, it was, which might be hard for you to believe, but even in the very beginning, when you uh-huh. were really just sort of trudging through, like just yeah. a day through the mud, through the mud, through the mud, every time you yeah. came in. And I could tell even then that you were an optimistic 
person, which yeah. is probably why you stayed in the fight through the grief. Yeah. You know, just I'm going to you could just see that. But that how was could there. you tell? Um, how could you see that? Maybe it was just, hey, I'm willing to do this. I'm willing yeah. to keep coming back and talking about this this hard thing that doesn't feel like it's getting any easier. And yet mm-hmm. I just keep showing up. I mean, you just kept showing up. Yeah. Um, and it's not as if you left feeling like, oh, I feel so much lighter. You didn't. That's just not the yeah. way that it works initially at all for most families. And No, um, I mean, initially there were some sessions I left and probably went home and bawled. Yeah. And maybe thought, I'm, I'm never coming. I'm not going back there. You know, yeah, but you it, always did. Yeah. And I, I think that that sort of was an indicator early on of like, you know that there is going to be some joy Again, you can find it again, mm-hmm. and you just stuck with it. And I think you've then just you know followed that path to this, yeah, yeah, of you know wanting to make something more of it and to help others, which is interesting because you know, of course, one of those cliches we talked about earlier that people said from the beginning is, oh, you know, this has happened to you for a reason, and something good is going to come out of this. And at and the time, I just practically wanted to slap the person. Like, yeah. are you kidding me? There is nothing good that can come out of this. I don't even want there to be anything good to right. come out of this. This right. is just misery, and it's awful, and it's unfair. But I hate to say it, but there is an element of truth in that, because now I feel like I'm able to help other people. Yeah. yeah. I mean, one of the things that, you know, we selfishly have benefited from so much from you is mm-hmm. you've just given so willingly of your experiences. You know, you've been willing to talk to anybody we've ever asked you to talk to medical mm-hmm. providers about what is helpful, what is not helpful, just really core guidance about yeah. grief and loss, especially in the early days. Yeah, because I had uh, some good and bad experiences. Yeah, so share a little bit about that if, if you can. Well, one of the, well, the absolute worst experience I had was the day that we found out that, that Ramey didn't have a heartbeat. There was this doctor in my OBGYN practice that she just happened to be the one that was like there that day. My regular OB wasn't. So she had to come in and confirm to us in the Sonotech that there was no heartbeat. And so after she did that, to me, she just had this like patient blaming verbiage. Like, well, we knew that this could happen and you knew this complication and that. And I'm like, whoa, lady, my pregnancy was fine. Like in the in the very beginning, we knew that because of my age and some other things that there could be some complications, but everything that they thought might happen, none of it happened. Like they were like, well, we're pretty sure you're going to have gestational diabetes and you're going to have this and that. I didn't have any of that. I had a really uneventful pregnancy. One you enjoyed. I mean, you often said, I I enjoyed it it so much. I loved it. Even the days that I, and of course there were days I didn't feel well. And I still, I remember telling my husband, I don't care how sick I get. I don't care what happens. You will never hear me complain. And he didn't. Not once. I didn't utter a complaint. And I had to, because of my age, I also saw, in addition to my OBGYN, I had to see a perinatologist who was like a specialist in high-risk pregnancies. So I was going to doctor's appointments left and right. Never complained. I loved every single one. I cherished every experience. And And I'm glad I did. Yeah. And those relationships. And I'm glad I did because those are the things I can look back on and I can I can cherish in the memory of my son. Because you got to be his mother during. Yes. All of that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one thing I always have to remember that I that even though he's gone, I'm still a mom. And I had all these wonderful experiences that I never thought I'd have. Mm hmm. 
I mean, I never thought I'd be going and getting a sonogram, you know, something that other people just take for granted. I was like, oh, wow. And my husband used to laugh at me because, you know, he'd sleep through my doctor's appointments. Because that's just who he is. Every opportunity to sleep, he does. And I'd just be all excited and all buoyant and all just probably just sickeningly syrupy through the whole thing because I enjoyed it. And I'm so glad I did because I can look back on those moments. And those are moments I treasure. Yeah, I bet you do. I can, yeah. you know, just imagine that for yep. you. And I can see you in that, you know, just yeah, the joy Yeah, you can't, can't you? Yeah, I was just like, hey, I'm here. I'm huge. <laughs> and I feel like crap. I have no ankles, but I don't care. <laughs> Now, I wonder, looking back on that moment where that's been a huge part of your process, I know, and we've talked about it before, about just like, why did they approach it that way with me? Why did they say that? And I wonder if you could, you know, talk about this is what would have been helpful to me. This is what you needed to say to me in that moment. This is what I needed to hear, which may have been nothing. It really would have been, and especially from that person, because she's that type of person anyway. You know, so yeah. it wasn't surprising necessarily to hear it from her. But, um, yeah, it would have been better for her to just say nothing. Because when I had when I left her office, I was immediately sent to my perinatologist to to get confirmation because the um, the sonogram equipment is much more high tech because it has to be because they have to be able to see more details of of your baby, of the fetus. And um, so they wanted to be sure that it was not which they were pretty sure, but they'd still still needed to, to to have that second opinion. And so it would have been better had she just said, okay, you know, I'm so sorry for your loss, but now you have to go on to the perinatologist and, and have them take a look at you. Just leave it at that. Yes. Just that this has happened and yeah. I'm acknowledging it. Yeah. And we, we, you know, have to take the next steps. And, I, you know, it, it has bothered me working with you sort of that that pivotal moment was really yeah, shaken so. And this poorly. is this is one thing that when I do have the opportunities because of you and your in your program to speak with doctors and nurses, I always tell them be careful what you say and how you frame things because over time we're not going to remember your face, we're not going to remember your name, we're always going to remember how you made us feel. Yes. And just keep that in mind, like, this is something that this person has to live with forever. And and I've even said this in some of those sessions. To you, you know, we're just a blip in your life. You're going to go on and unfortunately even have other losses that you have to, you know, to share with people. So we're not going to necessarily be with you. We have to live with this. So we are going to be in our minds as the mothers and fathers of these losses. We're going to be replaying this stuff for the rest of our life. One of the things I think is a misunderstood idea about parents experiencing grief in mm-hmm. in a hospital setting is, you know, I'll hear some, I'll, I frequently heard that parents are so overwhelmed, they're, they're not going to remember because they're just so overwhelmed, there's just too much coming at them. And certainly there are times in the hospital setting mm-hmm. when that's true. But um, for families that I've worked with who are grieving, that's exactly the opposite. Yeah. They remember, they may not remember your name, but they yeah. remember your tone. Yep. Your words. They remember. Because mm-hmm. um, certain things, them. certain things stick out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good or bad. Very choosing your steps very carefully. Yeah. Whether, you know. So I just 
you know, always tell people, the the medical staff, if you do nothing else, just be the best doctor or nurse in that moment that you can be. Make sure that mom is taken care of <clears throat> because even in addition to the loss of my son, I still had to know that I was okay. Right. You know, I, I went through giving birth just like any other woman. So I needed to know, okay, is my body functioning? You know, right. am I supposed to feel like this or, or that? You know, so I just needed to know the only comfort I could take in that moment really from staff was knowing that I was in good hands, that at least I was being medically taken care of. That you were safe. That I was safe and that, you know, I was going to get through it at that point medically, not emotionally or anything right. like that. But I had to know that I was physically at least okay. Can you, one of the things I remember so well from your story is that the relationship you had with the nurse mm-hmm. when Raymond had to leave for a bit. Yes. And that always really touched me because yeah. I thought it was just like very, it was, I know, a small thing. Yeah. But it was a huge thing for you. Yeah. It it was so impactful. Um, that night when I was still um, in labor, my husband had to leave because uh, we were raising my niece at the time. So he had to go home and he had to, to check on her, the dog, you know, check on the house and things. And I hadn't even thought about him leaving. Mm-hmm. You know, it hadn't even entered my mind. But then I was like, oh, yeah, you, you do have to leave for a while. And it just hit me. And I was like, I and I didn't verbalize it. I didn't say anything out loud, but I was sitting there and I was just panicked. And it was probably on my face that and the, there was a nurse in the room that kind of overheard things. And she knew that my husband had to leave. And I was just sitting there just panicked. I didn't know what to do. because I'm like, I am I going to fall apart when he walks out the door? I don't know what's going to happen. I'm terrified. But I, and I never would have said anything about it. I would have just suffered in silence. But that nurse was perceptive enough to pick up on that. And she said to me, she just looked over and she didn't make a big deal about it. It was really normal. And she was like, how about I sit in here and wait until your husband gets back? How about that? She was like, it's no big deal. I'll just go get, I'm going to run and get my laptop and all my work I can do right in here. And she did. She went right out to the nurse's station or wherever. She got her laptop. She came back into the room. She never uttered a word to me the whole time my husband was gone. And he was gone at least probably a solid hour or so. And just her presence was so comforting to me that I was not alone. Yes. That is the like mm-hmm. the most important piece of mm-hmm. you're not going to know what to say. Yep. You aren't going to know what to do. But if you can just be present. Yeah. Just be there. Yes. Just be present. And that's one thing I always stress that you're not going to have the perfect thing to say. There isn't anything. There isn't. And, yeah. and, you know, a lot of times, like with my case, you're not even going to be able to say why what happened happened. But if you can just be there, be as efficient as you can at your job, that makes all the difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think that that's, that is a lesson I feel like everybody can, you know, don't spend so much time pondering what mm-hmm. will I say? What will I do? Mm-hmm. And just show up. Yeah. And be for friends and family as well. Yes. You know, that sort of don't worry about your own discomfort because it's going to be there mm-hmm. um, and that you cannot say anything that's going to make yeah. this any better. Um, but yeah, you and, can. yeah. And please remember that in that moment, as horrible as you may feel for your loved one, it's not about you. I had a close relative that came up to the hospital and was a total drama queen. Now, I didn't see most of that because a lot of the drama piece and her like falling out and all this stuff happened out in the hall. Unfortunately, my husband witnessed it and didn't appreciate it one bit. But I was 
thinking, wow, it's not even about you. Be there for that person. Be there for your relative and your loved one. Swallow your feelings and deal with them outside. Right, right. Sort of meet me where I'm at. Yeah. yeah. I'm thinking of other sort of things that we talked about that I just think yeah. are really long-term meaningful. You, I don't know if you remember this, but you talked about, a re- this was early, like maybe, maybe eight weeks mm-hmm. into it. Do you remember this? And you talked about Raymond mowing the lawn. No, I don't remember that at all. What you, did I you say? Just that sense of I, I needed him to be with me all the time. Yeah. I needed yeah. him not to leave. and. And that he would mow the lawn even and that you would want to follow him yeah. doing that because yeah, I just, I just needed I didn't, that comfort. I didn't want to be alone. And at that time, he was like in school, which right. it was torturous for him. And, you know, this happened in May. So that's like around finals time. So he'd have to leave and, and you know, have to go to class. And a couple of, I felt like I was being babysat, but I couldn't be at home alone. So I had two wonderful friends that kind of almost like adults at me. And he, you know, he dropped me off at their house while he was gone. And they just sit there and watch TV or be awkward or whatever. So yeah, I went through this period that it was just hard for me to be alone because I'm like, if I'm alone, I'm just going to think about it. And yeah, I just I kept going, going, going immediately, even when I probably should have been at home and recuperating. Yeah. But because when I left the hospital, I immediately I had to plan my son's funeral. So I'm running around to the funeral home. I'm picking out flowers, writing his little eulogy out. And I'm doing all this stuff because I had to stay busy. And people are looking at me like, you're crazy. And one of my best friends, her mother is so cute. She was like, your uterus is going to fall out if you do not go sit down. Because, of course, immediately after everyone was really wanting to take super right. care of me because they want me to get pregnant again. She's like, you are Someone being, you are upright too much. Your uterus is going to fall out of your vagina. And that just <laughs> cracked me up. But she she felt that way. She meant it. She was like, your your uterus is going to fall out. And I just laughed. And I was like, I, I just can't stay home. I can't stay yeah. home and just lie down. I think that that need to stay busy, stay busy, stay busy yes. is functional yeah. early on for a lot of people. But you mentioned um, one of the things that you did to stay busy was write Randy's yes. eulogy. Yes. Um, and that was something unique that you did that I haven't had a lot of other uh-huh. parents do mm-hmm. because of the emotion behind it. They are yeah. not capable of doing this too much. Um, and without sharing too much that yeah. you know you wouldn't want to share, kind of can you talk about why that was meaningful to you or what sort of for you how that played into yeah. your grief process? It was a part of, and this is one thing that I learned from you, Megan, from the beginning because you were you really drove it home to me that you are still this child's mother. Mm-hmm. The mothering does not end with that child's death. And so that rang in my head. And so I knew that I wanted to put him away in the most beautiful way possible. I wanted to honor him in every way that I could because I'm his mom and that's important to me. That's a part of me mothering is I'm going to make sure that my son is put away with honor, dignity, respect, and that he's looking down and know that that he is really loved in that moment. That to me, I mean, even listening to you talk about it now, sort of just (laughs) gets me. It was really one of those hearts stopping moments of working with a mom that you showed that level yeah. of grace and parenting. Yeah. In the midst of that, I mean, I am going to parent him 
all the way. Yep. And I just was so touched by that. And I just really, and I could see that it impacted your grief process in a yeah. good way. Yeah. Um, I mean, we were literally there from the beginning to the end when we were at the cemetery afterwards. Um, the uh, grave diggers, for whatever reason, hadn't even finished digging the grave appropriately. So they were still kind of as, you know, family and friends were milling around. And, and I was watching carefully what they did. Yeah. And I was like bossing in that moment because I I knew that even though this this casket was tiny, I could see that they hadn't dug the grave wide enough. And mm-hmm. so I, I remember yelling over to the grave diggers, that's not wide enough. And they didn't listen to me. And they tried to put him in the ground and he didn't fit. Oh and so I walked over and I was like, you're going to do this right you're going to, I'm watching you. I'm his, I'm his mother and you're going to do this right. You're not going to manhandle him. You set him down gently, dig that grave right. And I watched everything. We stayed there until every last ditch of dirt was back on that grave and it was packed down just right because that was, that was part of mothering. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that set a tone for your entire process. Yeah, I think, you know, you just never ran from it ever. No. And I tell you, that sucked. But I was like, (laughs) yeah, no, this is from the beginning to the end. This is going to be done right for my son. Well, I have learned. I mean, it's getting to know you has been really awesome. And, you know, I got to know you pretty early on. Yeah. When I started doing this. So it's really been an honor. I mean, you have taught me so much. You've been so gracious. You You know, there's I'm sure been times when you're thinking, no, Megan, I'm not going to come talk to (laughs) And you've always been so great. Yes. Every time you ask me to do something, he's like, you're nuts. I cannot believe that you're doing this. Why are you like every even after this all this time and I've done it like half a dozen times or so. He's like, oh, my God, you're doing that again. What are you doing? Well, every time all of us say this on on our team when we hear you speak, every time you come, there's something else. Even tonight, there's other things that you share and that that give all of us sort of this moment of pause of, okay, we need we need to remember that. Yeah, that's going to matter to the next family. We Mm -hmm. need to remember it. Um, that we could never have that insight if yeah. you weren't willing to be so open, mm-hmm. you know, and that that comes at a cost. You know, yeah. you're very vulnerable with us. And I really appreciate everything that you've done to sort of get us to a place also mm-hmm. um, in sharing your experiences. One thing that I, I, I've still been thinking about what you asked me earlier about something that you might have wished that you knew. Mm-hmm. I always want parents to really think. And in that moment of grief and loss, I can totally understand you just being so crazy and out of your mind. But as painful as that may be, take that time to spend with your child, even yes. after they're gone. Because no one had really told me that. Um, we had a wonderful nurse that, that took us through the process. And what was Sarah's title? Like what Sarah is the perinatal support coordinator. So she yeah. works really closely both immediately before and immediately after with families. Yeah. In all areas. And so she kind of helped us through like, okay, um, now you get to hold your baby and and this and that. And I hadn't really thought, of course, I didn't think about it. We didn't expect this to happen. But in hindsight, I'm so glad that we spent that time that we did with him. And um, since the experience, you know, I've met other moms online and things. And and I have read of, of even more things that families have done with their babies. Like there have been moms that 
have bathed their baby. And I would have loved to have that experience, but I didn't even think about it in the time. Didn't even know if it was an option. Sure, you wouldn't. I mean, So, yeah, just knowing things like that, that you can have those moments with your child and know that as painful as it is to have your, you know, limp, dead child in your arms, that's the only opportunity you're going to have to hold your child. Yes. So feel it, deal with it, hold that baby because you will cherish those moments later. Like if I hadn't done that, if I hadn't spent time with him, I'd be crushed now about that. Like, wow, that was my one opportunity that I would have to hold and have that physicality with my child that I don't get now. To get to know his physical being. Yes. Yes. Because that made him more real. Like, because already when you're a mom and you're carrying a child, there's just something that's so surreal about it. You can't even. You know what's coming. You can't even visualize it, even for the moms that have the good outcome. Right. And so when this little being comes out, you're like, wow, you know? Yeah. Wow. So I was glad. (laughs) Yeah. So I was so glad to be able to study every little feature, count his little fingers and toes and and to look at him to see what things were like me, what things I saw of my husband in him. Yes. Those things I wouldn't have had if I hadn't taken that time to spend with him. So I treasure those moments. And that is something... It's easy, though I think every parent wants to find it within them to spend time with their child after they've died. It's an, it's so difficult that it is easy to rush through it yeah. or to say, I can't do it. Because I didn't think I could at first. Right. After they, you know, I don't even know if they tried to revive him or not because... You know, it was obvious that he was gone. So whatever they were doing, cleaning him or whatever, then they swaddled him. And of course, they brought him to me first. I couldn't do it. I absolutely could not. I said, would you please hand him to his father? So Raymond held him first because I couldn't. And I looked at them together for a while and I saw how he was holding him and looking at him in wonder. And I was like, okay, I got enough strength looking at at my husband hold him that I could do it. But I couldn't at first. Yeah, which is normal. It terrified me. Yeah. 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 I appreciate you saying that, though. That sense of we talk a lot about that. And yeah. And it's often later, much later, where parents will say, oh, my goodness. Now, looking back, I'm so glad I somehow found the strength to do that. I don't know how I did it, uh, but I'm I'm so glad I did. Yeah. I don't know how I did any of that. When I look back and and now when, you know, whenever I look through his memory box and, and I see the the page long like eulogy that I wrote for him I look back at them like how did I even do that yeah where did those words come from how did that come out of me in that moment and yet it did but it somehow it it. did yeah this is great I just feel I just (laughs) I love listening to you talk about it it's still you know just yeah just yeah and you didn't think you could do this I told you it'd be just like conversation yeah 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 I think one of the things that that I would say, you know, having had the honor of working with you and, you know, through all of this time and, you know, really getting to know you more than, you know, your grief process, getting to know you as a person and as a mom um, and and everything that, you know, you've sort of given me, you really, the way that you use storytelling and examples and really gutsy, um, gutsy sharing about your experience, I think really has, it's an opportunity People aren't going to get anywhere else to Mm -hmm. understand what grief looks like Mm -hmm. as a parent. And I don't know if you have some days where you're thinking, what am I doing? Like, why am I talking about this? Or, you know, sort of, oh, I shouldn't have shared that much. Or it's a you have opened up some doors. And, And if I'm seeing that, I know other people, you know, this is a gift that you're willing to do this and talk about this. Um, because there's going to be so many people at home who 
do not know mm-hmm. what you've been through, you know, don't know anybody who's been through this process and mm-hmm. in a week find themselves where you were. Yeah. And, you know, it, you have amazing wisdom. And I know you don't want to own that, but I'm going to own it for you. <laughs> you do, um, you know, really amazing wisdom about this process. You've been really brave. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And um, the whole goal here is to help someone. Yeah. And the podcast is Get Happy with Jay. Today was a little bit heavy, <laughs> but in the process, you got to know a little bit about my grief process. And I just want anyone out there that's listening to know that if you have, if you've been through it yourself or you know someone that has, hopefully you'll have a little bit better sensitivity in how to deal with someone that has suffered a loss. But just to know that you will get through it, that as bad as today is, if you're in that dark tunnel I was in the beginning, you are going to see the light of day. Moment by moment. Moment by moment. Yeah, that's one of the things that you shared with me is that sometimes you just have to take it minute by minute. You can't even like comprehend a whole day, just moment by moment. So have your moment, let yourself feel it, and then eventually you will get happy. Thank you. Thank you for doing this, Megan. I know I had to pull you out of your comfort zone. (laughs) (laughs) But we will have Megan back, you guys. And please um, go to the website, gethappywithjay.com, and let us know what you think about today's podcast. Review the podcast wherever you're listening to it today. We want your feedback. Hopefully it's been encouraging and uh, as tough as some of those moments may have been to hear, that it's uplifting, too. Because as you could hear, we had laughter through this. You know, joyous (laughs) moments even through this and to know that you too can experience joy even after a loss like this. So stay encouraged, you guys, and do something for yourself this week that's going to make you happy. Till next week. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed part two of this episode. We're talking about overcoming the grief of the loss of a child. I know it was pretty heavy subject matter, but like I said, we are very happy to be able to refer you guys to better help or some counseling services if you feel that you need it. It was pretty heavy. So once again, if you go to betterhelp.com backslash get happy with Jay, you're going to get a free week of counseling sessions. Hopefully you'll be so encouraged and uplifted by that free week of therapy that you're going to become a month subscriber to the service. It's affordable, convenient, and most importantly, it's private. So be sure and check that out. Also be sure and visit my website, gethappywithjay.com to catch up on all our podcast episodes and even more content. I'm starting to blog more on there and do other things as well. Pretty soon we'll be adding photos and lots of fun stuff. So be sure and like make it a favorite of yours or a bookmark or whatever they call it so that you can visit again and again. And of course, our podcast is also found pretty much wherever else you can find podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, iTunes, and we are also on Google Play Podcasts as well. So subscribe to us, comment and review, and we would just love to have you be a part of this happy movement and help us grow this movement. Until next time, take care.